The Birth Circle podcast features experts in all the nuanced areas of pregnancy, birth, and postpartum with the aim of helping women make the choices that will keep them safe, healthy, and empowered. We respect all birth choices and believe in supporting informed consent and evidence-based practices. Nothing said on this podcast should be taken as medical advice. You should always seek the advice of a competent professional for your care. Welcome to the Birth Circle podcast. This is Sarah with Birth Circle, and today I'm so excited. I have Tracy Donegan with me, and Tracy is the founder of the Gentle Birth app. Thanks for being with me here, Tracy. Thanks for inviting me on. I'm looking forward to chatting. So we're going to talk about how the Gentle Birth app is innovating childbirth education, and uh, there's a lot to talk about. Uh, but first of all, I want to acknowledge that we're just going to enjoy this this next episode while we listen to Tracy's beautiful accent. <laughs> Teaches all about. <laughs> You're from Ireland, right? Indeed, yeah. I grew up in Ireland, and uh, kind of we've, we've traveled all over the world, but we've settled back here in the U.S. Awesome. Okay, so tell tell me, how did you get involved in the birth world? Well, I think like most of us uh, who find ourselves coming down this pathway, um, I had my first little boy who's now towering over me uh, 17 years ago with the amazing help of a birth doula. And yeah, that just kind of set me on the path. I was involved in technology really before that. And uh, yeah, it just, it really kind of got me thinking about, you know, meaningful work and, and finding really what your passion is. And although I enjoyed what I was doing at the time, there, it wasn't something, I mean, I wasn't jumping out of bed in the morning excited the way I am now. So uh, we we had an opportunity to move to Singapore when my uh, little little boy Jack was nine months old. And it I connected with some doulas and it just kind of went from there. And I started the first doula service in Ireland. We went back to Ireland after wow. three years. So that was, and it's, and it's still growing in Ireland. It's, uh, it's kind of a mixed bag. We have some hospitals that are incredibly welcoming, but there's still a little bit of suspicion about what, what our role is. So I'm yeah. a, a donor birth doula and, and, and doula trainer as well now. Very cool. Wow. Cool. Okay. So uh, how did you get the idea for the app? So, so I started off as a birth doula. And I got to a point in my work where I really wanted to focus on the evidence and how could we help women have the most positive birth experience possible as they define it. So I had been teaching another program that focused very much on hypnosis for birth. And that really kind of, I was bitten by the bug of the mind-body connection. So I taught that program for a while, and but I felt it was missing a little bit. And then when I did my midwifery training, we did, we did so much on the physiology of birth, on the hormones, how the maternal system changes, how the baby grows, but we did nothing on how the maternal brain changes in pregnancy Ooh. and how those changes can make such a difference in how a person experiences pregnancy, uh, her moods and birth and the postpartum. So that was, uh, that was kind of, I was, I was being more drawn to the neuroscience part of it of what's actually going on in here, because I understand what's happening in the pelvis, but tell me what's going on up here, because 
It's what's going on up here is what's driving everything else. So we need to have a better understanding of what's actually going on between our, our two ears. Wow. And so, yeah, if you want to tell us more about that, I've been fascinated too. It's, you know, we know we say mom's bathed in hormones, mom's bathed in, you know, but what are those and what's going on and how do they affect bonding? So it's, it's not even just bonding. So we know over the last about 10 years, we, we're looking at the new science of, of what's happening in the brain. And we know that due to those hormones of pregnancy, that the brain is extra plastic. So, and we know that mom's brain is changing to, you know, to bond with her baby. So there's certain parts of the brain that are becoming kind of more wired together. But there's also parts of the brain that based on stress and um, depression and fear can, can kind of upset that wiring a little bit mm-hmm. and cause more problems for mom. So the brain is changing anyway. So why not optimize this time of massive change in that parent's brain to, to prepare for a positive birth experience as she defines it? That's, that's a great point. Yeah. Okay. So how does the app work? So if, uh, so it's, it's a combination of, I went and, and took, I guess, the best of what was happening out there in the world of brain science and, and, and the science around birth and physiology. But I wanted to make this program that would encompass the traditional childbirth education. So you, if you come to a gentle birth class, you learn all about the physiology of birth. You learn comfort measures, but you'll also spend a lot of time learning about your brain and actually how to use it to the best of your advantage. So it's, it's like a muscle that we're training. So another uh, kind of our slogan is it's brain training from birth. So we combined hypnobirthing. So there's a hypnosis for birth element of it. There's a incredible focus on um, a mindful approach to pregnancy because there's, and I, and I see you, you've already had some guests on, on the show talking about the incredible benefits of, of having a meditation practice mm-hmm. and even short meditation practice. We know that we can change the brain in as little as, you know, a few minutes practice a day over a couple of weeks. So this is not something we, we are going to burden parents with, that they have to sit down and lock themselves in a darkened room for an hour and chant. I wanted to make sure that we were... <laughs> I say I want to bring meditation down from the mountaintop and bring it into the mall and bring it into the main street so that the average woman on the street who probably has very, um, probably not great ideas about what meditation is, that we could make it really accessible for a much wider audience for, and for the birth partner as well. So, we, so I brought the mindfulness aspect into it. And, and again, all the science backed it up. It was mm-hmm. improving mood. It was reducing depression. It was um, changing pain perceptions. So that was another big part of it. And then we went, I, I was, as I was teaching these classes, I really wanted to engage with the birth partners a lot more. And specifically, I, I felt that the birth partners, specifically the dads, the male partners, had been sidelined for a long time mm-hmm. that they were you know invited along to the first couple of appointments you know the scan where you know we're finding out the sex of the baby the fun stuff but then it was like they weren't expected to be involved for much more than that and 
when I would when I was teaching in Ireland, and I would be joking with uh, with the dads, and we talk a lot of, in general about, about building their labor toolkit. So I want to you know build you a really robust toolkit, and part of that is the is the mental aspect of it, as well as all of the, the physical comfort measures. But for so there's an there's a saying like in Ireland where where the dads would joke to me saying, yeah, I want to understand what are the tools that I can use on the day. Mm-hmm. I I don't want to feel like a tool, you know. I don't want to feel helpless sitting in the corner wondering how I can best support my partner. So what I did was then I brought in sports psychology, which just changed everything. So we had the the partners were coming in and they were. They, they had their own ideas of what they expected this you know, gentle birth to mm-hmm. be about. And I would usually do a little bit of a, what we call like a wind up at the beginning, just to, to play on their expectations that we were all going to sit around in a circle and hold hands and chant and help them get in touch with their inner child. Okay. And so I, so I would see them kind of, you know, the, the deer in the headlight look when, when we would start that. And then once we moved into the brain science and once we started into the sports psychology of what is it that elite athletes do on a regular basis to prepare for the event of a lifetime, which is what they're, they're, yeah. they're walking into. Yeah. So understanding what they're, and it really gave them an opportunity to, we were speaking their language. They got it. They started to understand, oh yeah, like when, you know, my, my favorite soccer player does this. And, and I mean, when we look at, you know, Muhammad Ali, like one of his most famous, you know, affirmations was, you know, that, that how amazing he was, that I am the greatest. So it was, so, so the dance really started to come along and see how important their role is on the day to facilitate the best birth possible and you know our it it was mom we want you to get in the zone and stay there and the partner's job was everything else Mm -hmm. and giving them the tools to know like what what they're running what what they're in charge of protecting and providing right absolutely yeah Yeah. and 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 understanding kind of it's about controlling the controllables and that's that's a big part of psychology you know in the controllables yeah there's when you're walking into the birth room you can you can prepare with every tool in your toolkit you can be you know as fit as a fiddle and every so often something might come up out of left field that nobody could have predicted. So if your attitude is, has a little bit of flexibility of there's only so much I can control in this, I cannot necessarily control what my blood pressure is going to do on the day, what my baby might do on the day, I have to be able to be okay with that and control what I can control. So for some parents, controlling the controllables means I'm going to seek out a care provider that will support me in the kind of birth that I would like to have. Um, that might be, you know, changing hospitals, hiring a doula, whatever that is for them. But understanding that there is, there are aspects that they have to be able to accept. Yeah. And, and, and part of the mindfulness training is, because, you know, one of the really kind of, I guess, moments that really stuck with me around the gentle birth approach was that I was, I was in Brazil and I'm sure you're familiar with, you know, how the Brazilian birth culture, it is improving, but it's, it's very, very difficult. And cesarean birth is very much encouraged. And 
uh, parents who try to have physiological births are often, you know, they are victims of obstetric violence. They can be separated from their partner. It can, it can be really difficult for them. So I was in Brazil a couple of years ago and I was training uh, a group of 50 new educators to, to, to teach this approach in Brazil. And we got into a discussion about, well, you know, what happens if I'm with my partner and they tell me I have to get on the bed and because and, pain relief is not re- readily available, but I have to get on the bed. And so I, my response was, as it would be here in the US and in, uh, in Europe would be, well, what if he said no? And thinking that, okay, well, if I said no, then we have to talk about consent. And, but mm-hmm. in some parts of Brazil, that's just, that's not, a, it's just not respected. So the fear for those parents was, oh, but they won't, they won't hurt me, but they will hurt my baby. Oh my gosh. So that was a moment of, okay, so there, there's elements of this that will work really well in those kinds of environments. And where I saw gentle birth really, and that mental practice and that building of emotional resilience, because you can read every book on the planet and just say, I'm, I'm emotionally resilient, but without the actual training of the brain, it doesn't happen. We are, mm. we are building that emotional resilience and that fortitude and that emotional regulation throughout the pregnancy. So for me to have an understanding that, okay, so... Yeah, so what does emotional resilience look like in the birth space? Yeah, so, so for some of these parents, uh, it was very obvious that they were walking into a combat zone Mm. and would not have a lot of control over anything that was happening, but they always would have control over how they responded to what was unfolding. And unfortunately, in some cases, that was not, that was not a positive experience. So to, to help these parents develop these skills of mental resilience and emotional regulation so that they can stay focused, they can stay as calm as possible. What I began to see, and and I spoke to some parents this week about this here in the US, was that even parents here in the US who have experienced on paper that might look like really significant birth trauma, what they found was that that emotional regulation that they could see, yes, I, I, I see what's happening, this is not what I wanted. And mm. but they were able to, to emotionally bounce back yeah. from that experience so much quicker because, again, they had been training their brain and they had a flexibility and, and they were in such a better place then after the birth to be able to take further steps if needed. Yeah, and because so we talk, we talk about the brain, and every childbirth educator knows about that uh, the that framework, the brain framework. So, if you are trying to make an important decision in labor, and we look at you know B or A I N, what are the benefits? What are the risks? Alternatives? What's your intuition tell you? And what if we did nothing? What if we waited a little bit? But to be able to have the the focus to actually have that conversation you have to be able to settle your brain first. Mm-hmm. You, can't, you can't even take on board that information. When you're in a stress response, the executive functioning is offline. 
So part of the partner's response in, in if something like this is happening is, okay, so we need a moment here so that we can get both of our kind of executive function back online so we can take in the information you're about to give us so that we can make uh, a decision from a place of intention yeah. and a place of focus and not a place of fear because we don't make good decisions when we are stressed. Yeah. They and then, come, and they're, not, a- they're not intuitive. No, no, we don't. And that's a pre-birth training too, to get the partner on board. I've seen three things happen. I've seen both partners not know what they're doing. And the whole thing is like a chicken <laughs> running around with their head cut off. No emotional regulation, like what you're saying. Or the birth, the birthing person has made all of the preparations and is in Zen, but the partner is running around with their, their head cut off. <laughs> and then yes, the third yeah. way is that they've both done the preparation and the partner is able to be there and and um, hold space, stand up for and advocate for yeah. what the birthing person, and if they've agreed together, you know, what are our priorities? Our priorities are this, 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 this. What happens if this wrench gets thrown on our, our way, then the partner can stand up. And don't you think they can buffer? They, they're, the partner's like such a big part of that emotional regulation, Absolutely. right? They I mean, are, yeah. Yeah, it's even more difficult to be emotionally regulated if your partner is flipping like a fish in the corner of the room. <laughs> Yeah, because, uh, you know, as women, we tend to be, we, we're, we're the carers. So if a, you know, that birthing person is really focused and in the zone and the partner is freaking out, you can't possibly stay in that, that centered place because you're worried about, well, are they okay? So mm-hmm. we're really clear with the partners that, you know, this is, this is the role of a lifetime. And, and sometimes it's, it's, a, it's a conversation that they have to have together about, is your partner the best person to be there with you on the day? So there's, there's a, <laughs> that's a tough conversation. I, it, it, but sometimes it's, 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 a, it's a necessary conversation. Yeah. Um, and I know the I've been at a birth. Their own stress. I, yeah, exactly. It's true. I've been at a birth where the dad said, I will absolutely not be at the birth. I'm going, I'll get queasy. I don't want to be there. There's nothing you can do to make me be there. And, uh, w- but when it came down to it and, and she was pushing and he was about ready to head out, uh, I, as the filmmaker, I'm in the back of the room, not an active part of the actual birth. And I said, right. hey, no, no, come here, sit here, sit, sit next to me, watch it through the camera. I said, if I just hold it and you watch it through the yeah. camera, it won't, it's like watching TV. It won't be like a real thing. Mm-hmm. <laughs> For some reason, he thought that sounded like a good idea. So he sat next to me and watched and like about te- 10 seconds later, he left me and went up by his, his um, partner and stayed by her the whole wow. time. But it was just, he didn't even know what it would feel like. And his response was just to get Hightail out there, out of there. Yeah. When all he needed to, uh, he just needed to be acknowledged that this was kind of not his cup of tea. And that, yeah, absolutely. You know, even watching it through the buffer of my screen <laughs> uh, made, it, made it so that he could like, involve himself in the story. So I, th- yeah. I thought that was cool. But it would have That's been fantastic. nice to have that conversation beforehand and have maybe the birth educator help him work through that stuff before the actual birthday, right? <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. And it's, and it's about keeping an open mind to even the most focused partner who has, yeah, I'm going to be there. I know my role is that again, this is for, especially for first time parents, it's such an unknown. And sometimes even like just the heat in the, in the room can, can just, but if they don't want to be involved, if they said, Oh, I could do this, but when push comes to shove and they're losing it in the birth space, there's the respect of saying, we get it. We get it. You can bow out for a minute. We've got, yeah. we've got the, yeah. you know, 
You've got a and great birth provider. Great reason for having a doula with you, you know, yes. they can, if they really need to leave that they can go and they know their partner is being really well supported. Yeah, as well. exactly. But yeah, so the, so the partners just, they've been sidelined for way too long. So giving them a really important role and helping them acknowledge the importance of it, coming into that birth space and the postpartum then was was really important for me. So I found the sports psychology aspect really helpful for them. And then, so so in the app itself, so so a parent can start the app as soon as they're pregnant or, you know, no matter where they are, if they want to get to a point where they're really enjoying their pregnancy more and stressing a lot less and sleeping mm-hmm. better, um, when they put in their, you know, their guest date or their, their due date, the, the training that they're getting every day is based on, on what that date is. So it's their journey is unique to them and their circumstances. So yeah. if we have a mom who is um, planning a VBAC, her kind of brain training is focused on having a positive VBAC. But it's also inclusive of all birth experiences. So there is, a, there is hypnobirthing content and uh, mindfulness content for parents who know they're going to have a planned cesarean. So they are dealing with stresses of pregnancy as well. And they want to kind of rewire their brain to be in a good space when they, when they have that surgery and they meet their baby. Mm-hmm. And they want to stack the odds in their favor of this going as well as possible and stepping into pa- postpartum, feeling really well in themselves, no matter how the actual birth experience itself has gone. So, so every day they will, like, let's just say for today, if, if you were starting off early in pregnancy, we don't overload you with here's your homework for today. And you've got like six hours of you know, reading and, mm-hmm. and, and you know, audio to listen to. It's very light because we want, I want them to be able to incorporate this, uh, these practices into their lives very easily. So it starts out very light. And then as we're kind of getting through into the third trimester, they're going to have more content, but the content is usually, a like a hypnobirthing session, which they'll usually do at nighttime, which will be great if you know if they're they're doing the, the multiple visits to the bathroom and trying to get back to sleep. Um, they'll do some affirmations and usually a short meditation and um, breathing techniques as well. So they're practicing the breathing, and then right when we're coming into that third trimester, the last few weeks, we now introduce the concept of a meditation around um, the expectations of newborn sleep, which I think is a huge issue in our, in the developed world about the expectations that new parents have around um, how their baby is going to sleep and, and the unrealistic expectations that many have. So they can, they can come into that experience with a little more self-compassion for themselves that this is a, this is a tough season that, that we're in and, and, and kindness towards themselves and just a more acceptance that, you know, this too shall pass, that, that you know, we, we tend to get trapped in that this is terrible right now and you can't see the light at the end of the tunnel, especially, you know, in those first postpartum weeks. So. Mm-hmm. For me, that the, the postpartum is a really big part of it because so many different programs and approaches, they, they just they want to get you through the birth. Let's get you through labor. I'm like, yeah, but the real work begins after the baby arrives. And, yeah. and, and when you think about you know, the skills and, and the, what parents are teaching in classes or what are, they're learning, 
I mean, the double hip squeeze is an incredible skill to, to know. I teach mm-hmm. every partner the double hip squeeze. It's because it feels amazing and it can be really helpful for, for a parent in, in labor. But it's not going to help you at 4 a.m. when you are trying to latch on that, that newborn and the baby is getting more agitated and you're getting more agitated and your self-talk is uh, is yeah. starting to go off the rails a little. And, and when we believe everything we think, that's where the problems when it's not the thoughts themselves, it's when we believe them that we yeah, run into true. trouble. I've so heard you're- we can just... I've heard, I've, I'm not. I'm not responsible for the first thought that comes into my head, but I am for the second. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. if you just don't believe those first thoughts, because yeah, they come up, and you may have had an amazing birth, and then, like you said, four a.m. in the middle of the night, can't get that silly baby to latch, mm-hmm. and you're like, yeah, and you're what tired. What is wrong with and, me? Yeah. 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 Because we're we're our our, our self talk is rarely kind. Not so yet. we have to start, and it's, it, is, it is a difficult practice, I think, for a lot of women to practice self-compassion and self-kindness, and especially then as a new, as a new parent that they're looking at, well, well, everyone else seems to be able to get their stuff together. Yeah. And why <laughs> Everybody always looks like they have their stuff together. Told, yeah, yeah. So you're saying that this app and the habits that are developed in prenatally as they go through the experience of this app will help them postnatally as well, just by developing oh. those. I mean, that emotional regulation doesn't just fizzle away. You don't lose that skill when you become a new mom. No, exactly. Um, we want them to, to be as emotionally resilient for that, especially for that postpartum. But with a 17 year old upstairs, my emotional resilience gets, gets practiced every day. So there are multiple opportunities to practice. They didn't warn us about this when, when at the baby shower and they were like wrapping yeah. toilet paper on our tummies and we mm-hmm. were eating cute snacks. They did not warn us about what happens no. when no. they turn 11 for, in my case. My daughter, yeah. 11, yeah. son, 13. What the heck? <laughs> yeah. So, so I, I, I talk about this. These are, yes, absolutely. These are incredible skills for, in, so, for so do you, the pregnancy board, but it's you use your hypno, Yeah, you use your hypnobirthing uh, breathing while dealing with your 17-year-old. <laughs> absolutely. And uh, yes, coming from a place of acceptance. And, and my, I have to say, even around, like, because there, there's this misperception that you practice meditation that you're just all zen and it's all rainbows and kittens and <laughs> it's sparkly it's unicorn it's, unicorn fairy cupcakes <laughs> yeah and that you empty your mind and you're just in the state of nirvana I'm like I, yeah I haven't seen it yet but what it does help me to do is it helps me what I, what I, I described as it helps me be a nosy neighbor about what's going on up here because a lot of what's going up on up here is really not good stuff. And I want to just catch myself before I go off down, you know, on a train of thought that's just going to cause me stress. I love and, that. So meditation for you is a way uh, to get all those voices under control. So it's not about making everybody silent and going to nirvana. It's about, no. about looking at those self-talk voices in your head more critically, more just... Yeah, and not even critically. It's more about... Um, it's, it's acknowledging that, yeah, there's a, there's a lot of different voices up here and a lot of them are not helpful in, in the day-to-day, you know, running of a business and, and raising a family. So it's, it's not about being critical. It's about, I always say it's about putting out the welcome mat for whatever's there. 
Yeah. Because when, we, when we're critical and we push against and say, oh, you know, I will catch myself. And it's like, oh, here comes anger. Good to see you again. Has, what has it been? Four hours? Okay, let's do this. You know, it's, <laughs> Nice to see you again. <laughs> whatever that emotion is, that they're all welcome, that there's no bad emotions, that I, I, I'm, I'm going to have this Ooh. experience. And, and, but when you catch it in the early stages, and, and it's like, because we, we're all, we all know it's happening. You, you've got that little rumbling of dissatisfaction or annoyance when your partner does something, whatever that is. And later on in the day, then it turns into this explosion. And it's like totally like, what, where did that come from? Because it's not, it's not about the towel on the floor. It's about this little kind of rumbling that I've just let grow. And, and there's a... Uh, a wonderful medita- meditation teacher, Rabina Curtin, and she talks about it like if you, when you're driving your car and you notice that the steering wheel is pulling to the, to the right a little bit when you're on the way back from the supermarket and you just keep ignoring it and you ignore it until the wheels fall off. Well, you know, then, then you're really in trouble. But if you pay attention when that starts to <laughs> You're off, then it's like, are you comparing my emotions to the wheels falling off my cart? (laughs) Yeah, or the the rumble strips on the freeway. You know, when when we when we bum 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 on those rumble strips, that that's that's a message to us, like, oh hey, you're there's something going on here you might want to pay attention to. So it's about can we just pay attention to this and see that those voices that are saying I'm a bad mom or you know my my baby doesn't like me or this, I, I'm never going to be any good at this, that we have to be able to say, I hear you. Mm-hmm. But maybe that's not really true. Yeah. And, 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 but to be able to hear it out and then, and then go on with our day, because the more we push against it, it's like, yeah, don't think about a pink elephant. And that's all you can think about. The more we push against <laughs> it, the more it's going to stay in our experience. That's true. So um, does your program then involve any hypnosis? Along with the med- meditation, yeah. So it's kind of the kind of you know the, the main kind of psychological tools that we use is so we've got the hypnosis aspects of it, and the meditation. And the hypnosis would be longer sessions because these are sessions that parents would use you know, at the end of the day or you know, at the weekend when they have time to just sit and rest. And and when I when I'm teaching parents and I and I talk to them, I say like hypnobirthing is so easy. Because you literally, you go, you pull up your, your hypnobirthing session for today, and it might be, you know, empowered birth. You hit play, and you can kind of drift off and, and just let it happen. Enjoy that relaxation. But with the meditation session, which usually they'll do that earlier on in the day, it might be just a 10-minute meditation that it's, it, it, we put you to work with the meditation. It might Got be 10 it. minutes, but when your mind wanders, we're acknowledging, oh, I have, you know, my brain is like a golden retriever puppy today. So it's gone in a million different directions. So now I'm just going to gently acknowledge, hey, actually I'm in the supermarket now uh, going through my shopping list. Let's just bring it back. And we just bring it back and we keep bringing it back. So it's, it's, it is exercising the muscle of focus. And for anyone who is planning an unmedicated birth, this is a training that you really, really need because trying to pull it out of the bag on the day. Oh, it's really difficult. If it's a long labor, it's, yeah, because you've got mm-hmm. so many things kind of stacked against you to, to yeah. really maintain that focus. So would there be use for this for uh, a mom who's planning a, a medicated birth? Absolutely, yeah. We have, uh, again, I wanted 
uh, my approach is that I want to be this program to be as inclusive as possible. So there is there is a really lovely hypnobirthing session for that parent who is just waiting to get their epidural because they're probably at a point where, and depending on the circumstances where they can be quite distressed and they need something just to help them settle a little bit mm-hmm. while it's the actual procedure is being done. And then there's another session for after they've had the epidural, which keeps them really connected with their baby and, and, and the labor itself. And, and it's, and some really lovely imagery that is, will help them with those shakes that some moms get, or, you know, in, you know, the, the, uh, the perception of a coolness moving over their body because a lot of parents will also get a temperature in labor. So with an epidural, so with how can we again have make these tools available to you know, everyone, no matter what their experience is going to be. And there's even one for an induction of labor. So mm-hmm. no matter what our our opinions are on induction, they're happening. And for what I, what I found over the years was in some of the other programs that have a very prescriptive approach. Let's say a mom was was really had her heart set on an unmedicated vaginal birth, and that is all she has been thinking about. And something comes up in her pregnancy that necessitates, for a medical reason, that a cesarean is actually going to be necessary, or an induction of labor makes absolute sense. These moms felt like they were kind of left in the wind. They they had been practicing this one approach and now they were supposed to go into their induction or their cesarean with the same materials that talked about having this beautiful physiological birth. And they felt really duped and really upset that they didn't have more material to support their individual needs on the day. So that was really a big part of making sure that we have as many tools as possible for every kind of scenario that that a parent can experience in her pregnancy and uh and into the postpartum too that is really really cool so what is um what do you consider the most innovating innovative part about the app what what is doing that's just what's the special sauce um well i mean there's uh, i guess one of our little special sauce uh, in the app is the labor companion so, and as, even though I'm a midwife, I do quite a lot of birth doula work. And uh, for any of your, your birth doulas and midwives that are listening in, this is, this is a track you might want to have yourself on your phone. When you get to a point in labor where the mom just needs that voice in her ear being loud, like the voice in her ear, ear being louder like louder louder than the transition voice yeah louder than the voice in her head that's saying she can't do it we call that the transition voice right yeah so (laughs) so the the birth companion is a it's an it's an audio recording that is not it's not it's not hypnobirthing it's not meditation but it is talking her through those sensations and telling her how strong she is and you're doing it breathe and just and just reminding her step by step that that she is doing it and and so many parents will contact me saying you said the, exactly the right thing at the right moment and and it's so for them and especially when when you have if it's been a long labor and you have a doula that's quite tired or a partner that's quite tired that oftentimes the moms will just they want their headphones on the labor companion playing and they just get in that that really focused state 
and everyone just stands back and, and watches. So, so that, that for me is just everyone who, who uses the app in labor with a labor companion was amazing. But I think the overall, it, this, there is no other app like this out there. Yeah. So is this, uh, um, this also pairs with the whole education. So it's not just an app, but it's an, no. a childbirth education series, but they can bring their own flavor to it. Is that what I'm understanding? Absolutely. Yeah. So that's why it's, it supports any kind of birth preparation that they're doing. So I would say if you're taking, and of course, you know, we're limited at the moment with, with kind of in-person classes, mm-hmm. but wherever you're getting your childbirth education, whether it's from a hospital or whether it's, you know, online or whatever program that you're working with, there really is nothing out there that does what gentle birth does, that, that, mm-hmm. that focuses really well on the emotional preparation and the mental preparation for, uh, for birth. But I wanted to show you, this is the, this is the, the, the gentle birth book that's in the app itself. Okay, so yeah, for, for those that are just listening, not watching the video, so you can find this at Amazon? It's, uh, it's in Amazon, but they can also download it. It's freely available in the app. Even oh, if they're only doing the, the trial, there's a seven-day trial where they can get to you know, kick the tires a little bit, take it for a test drive, see if, if, if they feel like it's, it resonates with them. And then they can download the, the book for themselves. And then there's also a, a kind of companion workbook with exercises that they'll do with their partner, again, to kind of sit together and look at, okay, what are our priorities around this birth? And, and a lot of helping them understand a little more about the new science of pain perception. So that's something that uh, we're, we're really focused on as well. For yeah, talk a little bit more about pain perception. That's a really interesting concept. Oh, my favorite topic. Uh, I guess there, there's so much new science now around understanding pain and, and, and how we perceive pain. And, we, and getting to an understanding that pain is an output of the brain. So there is no pain until the brain decides there is pain. And there's, there's different ways that the brain interprets whether these sensations that are coming from the uterus or the lower back or that part of the body, are they something that we need to be really worried about? And if they're something we need to be worried about, then we want to amplify them. And if it's something that we don't need to be worried about, like can we actually reduce them a little bit? So there, there's a perception in, in so much of our, our the childbirth education of today that oh there are pain receptors and we need to you know figure out how to block these pain receptors but there's no pain receptors in the body there are different kinds of receptors so there are um, thermal receptors that have a scent that that pick up heat or, or cold there are pressure receptors there are stretch receptors so when those signals reach the brain the brain has an opportunity then. And, and, and there's, there's kind of psychological factors that influence how the brain is going to interpret that, like the meaning of the pain. So for a, a, a birthing person that is going into her birth experience thinking, I know it's going to be hard work, but I know that every single one of those sensations is bringing me closer to my baby, that this is a positive pain. And it means, and the more painful it gets, the more progress I'm making. Mm. So, so the, or the more pressure I feel. So, so that's part absolutely. of the prenatal training is help helping the brain properly process the sensations yeah. it's feeling. 
helping them understand and, and, and understanding that, you know, as we all know, the more stressed you are, the more anxious you are, the more that the brain feels like, oh, okay, this is something really bad that's happening mm-hmm. because the brain evolved for survival. It did not evolve for us to be happy. And so we've got all of these different kind of factory settings in the brain that will determine our, what we experience in labor. Mm-hmm. And, and, and to help parents understand that hurt does not automatically equal harm. Yeah. Sometimes the brain has just got its wires crossed. I mean, there's, when we look at some of the really fascinating research around uh, like phantom limb or for like women who've had, I think it's 30 to 80% of women who've had a mastectomy still experience pain in their breast the breast doesn't exist so what so so the 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 breast doesn't exist but yet the brain is processing it as Hmm. so there's there's and 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 when we look at phantom limb pain where um we've got a situation where the arm doesn't exist physically but that real estate in the brain is still (laughs) activated so it's there's so much we can do and there's there's even our what i kind of came across recently, which I thought was fascinating, was that even our attachment style influences mm-hmm. our pain perception. So really? how like so that that's kind of takes it off into a whole huh. other direction. Like because now we're thinking, okay, so how I maybe how I was raised and and the attachment style between myself and my parents can it influence my pain experience? I see I see what you're talking about though, because if you're if they're you're kind of codependent or you're looking for external um, then you would probably feel pain a little bit more so that you could exhibit it. Is that what you're saying? Yeah. And, and your stress response is heightened as well. Mm-hmm. Because if, again, if you're someone who has um, not a, a kind of well-developed, you know, healthy attachment that we tell, we tend to see is those areas associated with stress in the brain, they have, they've got you know, more real estate as well. <laughs> and I was thinking, you know, if you're running or you're doing something, you get a muscle cramp, Charlie horse while you're gardening or whatever, mm. you go, oh, ding, ding, ding. And you stand up, you shake it out or whatever. Um, yeah. And that's pain. Your body's warning you that there's, you know, lactic acid buildup in that cramp yeah. to, and to, do something. to move. But yeah. we don't automatically assume that that is dangerous and scary and, and we don't yeah. get afraid because, and that's basically what your uterus is doing when it's a muscle yeah. clamping down. If we're teaching it that that's yeah, just, it's, it's squeezing and releasing. And um, in one of the, there's a, an incredible researcher that looked at, she did biopsies of the uterine tissue. And there are very few nerves in the uterus at full term. So you actually have more in your pre-pregnancy state than you do have in your like full term. What you have is an upregulation, uh, like a massive increase of oxytocin receptors, because if we want that oxytocin driving those, those sensations and bringing their, your baby to you. But it, it looks like from the evolution of the female body that it was not, it's not supposed to be. Yeah, biologically, able. we've got an advantage here. Yes, yeah. And at a full term, there's still, we still see those nerve endings in the cervix. But that still doesn't explain why some some people are going around walking around, you know, at five centimeters and you know, having a good old time, and and someone who's like one centimeter is really having a very difficult time. So, there's lots to explore. I prepared for all my births, but I still feel I still f- would define what I felt 
as pain. So I wonder yeah. if just I didn't have the right training for me or if I had trauma that I hadn't resolved or, you know, but I would still define what I felt as pretty severe pain. But I know biologically it shouldn't have been that severe. Yeah, and, I, and I'm in no way saying that because there is this perception that anyone who's involved in hypnosis that we're, you're just going to sneeze your baby out and, and you know, you don't you only feel a thing. Or you, no, most women will experience pain in labor. But what can we do to minimize it, you know, to, or and that's part of that understanding of how the uterus works and how the brain interprets those sensations. And there's, there's different ways that because we have our own endogenous those endogenous endorphins, our own painkillers, and there's ways, different ways we can access them. So there's, there's three different ways we access them. So there's the gate control mechanism, um, which would be like a TENS machine. So we create this kind of, or a massage, it creates like kind of a tingly, comfortable sensation in the body. And those, that, that, those sensations reach the brain before the sensations that are coming. So it's, it's kind of competing signals. And then we have another mechanism called it's it's the acronym is DINIC for short diffuse noxious um inhibitory <laughs> it's, it's a mouthful but it's when we create painful stimulus to release endorphins so that would be similar to the uh the the saline injections in the back that we're seeing now thankfully we're starting to get more interest in so women who have back labor, that if we give them these little bee sting injections in the lower back during labor, that, and which are incredibly painful to get, that it almost stops their back labor almost. <laughs> okay. In a lot of ways, our brains are pretty dumb. Our bodies are pretty dumb. Like they're like a two-year-old, yeah. they're tantruming. You you're like, Would it. you like a cupcake? And they're like, Woo! Oh, yeah. here. Yeah. Oh, it is here. totally because our, the brain only has limited uh, bandwidth. So yeah, like, I, I tell my kids with, if they if they hurt themselves or whatever, they stub their toe or they you know take a finger off or whatever. I'm like, well, do you want me to bite the other finger off or do you want me to kick you in yeah. the face? And they're like, mom, that's so stupid. <laughs> anyway, mm-hmm. but it's the same concept. If you if you give your body other stimulation, then exactly. it can't remember yeah. the first one. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And because I use uh, I use like virtual reality with some clients in labor, and again, oh. it's, it's amazing because. The brain cannot process all of this information. <gasps> I wonder if you could do virtuality where when the brain processes a surge, it can like lead you through this video game or something. And <laughs> yeah, I, I, that's what I do. I have parents play really simple, really like dumb games that just keep them entertained. And like I have this one, like it's, it's like it's a whack-a-mole game and they're literally going through labor and it's like, and and the surge passes and it's like, oh, that wasn't too bad. I'm like, okay, well, so maybe try playing your favorite game during, during labor. Absolutely. Yeah. That's probably why singing works. Yeah. That's probably why singing works, dance works, uh, like a lot of physical activity works then is because your, your brain is then worried about the bandwidth of not falling over or making the right sound or whatever it is and not so much yeah. on the pressures coming from the abdomen. Yeah, exactly. Fascinating. When, um, when there was a really big study done in Canada in 2014, and it was the largest meta-analysis of looking at different uh, 
different ways of approaching pain and labor for, for parents who were planning a physiological birth. And they looked at the gate control theory and TENS machines and water immersion and massage. And they also looked at the DNIC, which was the saline water injections or the hold, holding the comb in your hand, something that was going to create a little bit more kind of painful stimulus. But the third factor that they looked at was central nervous system. So the mental part of it. And what they found, which was which ended up being a 2018 uh, obstetric guideline in Canada for staff to, for supporting physiological birth, was they found significantly improved outcomes, not just around pain perception, but less cesareans, um, less medication use, more positive experiences when they combined the DNIC or... Um, gate control theory with the central nervousness, with the brain part of it. So mm. the mindfulness, the hypnosis. So it, it really needs to be a key part of any childbirth program that you're taking. Train the brain. Interesting. Wow. Okay. So where do they go to download this app? So they can in- get it Yeah, App Store or Google Play. Both, both awesome. And then what's your website and how do they reach out to you if they have any questions directly? Oh, yeah, and you are on TikTok too. Oh, yeah. TikTok <laughs> is such a great platform. And we need more childbirth educators, we more do. doulas, and a lot more midwives on there because I feel like I'm a, I'm a bit of a lone wolf. Yep, yep. There's so I know. I've gotten on there and searched for stuff, and I thought, okay, if this is where Generation Z is getting their information and they're starting to be childbearing ages, we're in trouble. <laughs> yes. Yeah. So shout out to everyone who, who, all the other birth professionals, please join me on TikTok. So Instagram, Gentle Birth Official, TikTok at Gentle Birth and Facebook, Gentle Birth. Facebook. Yeah. And, and App Store. Uh, app Store and GentleBirth.com. It's soon to be GentleBirth.app, but you'll find us there. Yep. And uh, yeah, reach out to me. I'm happy to chat anytime. This is, wow. This is, and if you have any questions you want me to connect you with her, you can always reach me at media at birthcircle.com. Thank you so much. I mean, I think we could have gone for another hour. It's fascinating. (laughs) Fascinating. You have to stop me now. (laughs) Uh, Yeah. Well, maybe we'll do another episode because I just really geek out with science. I love the science behind what you're talking about, the brain and oh my goodness. And we start talking about music and hormones and Mm -hmm. yummy, yummy stuff. Yep. Yeah. The juicy stuff. Yep. (laughs) Thank you so much, Tracy. Thank you, Sarah. Good to talk to you. Please visit us at birthcircle.com, join our Facebook groups, or find us on Instagram and Pinterest. We hope you'll use our resources to support your birthing experience.